Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, down there in Tequila, Georgia. My good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni is here, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is. Uh, it is good to be back with you uh t- talking college football it feels it's, the season's still going on but it feels like the off season now after the conference championship seeing all the portal and new coaches and all this crazy stuff but uh but yeah we'll still we'll still stay focused uh on the 2023 season as much as we can absolutely i mean it does really do feel like the off season i mean we'll see what happens with uh bowl season for tennessee if it's nico time and that'll be cool but it just kind of feels like bowl season's now not really a part of the season it used to feel like the end the end goal the end capper like yeah. it still felt like it was part of the season now with the portal or so many early enrollees practicing for the month um guys opting out for the draft coaching changes I mean, it just doesn't feel like the same year. And I think this year it's going to be pretty crazy just based on the number of portal guys and how many portal quarterbacks are out there. Like, I just, 
I, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, Matt Green, but it kind of bums me out when I'm looking at some of these games and I'm like, because I looked at the calendar and I was like, okay, who's going to be quarterback in this game? Who's going to be like, who's coaching this game because this coach is gone? Like, it's all very strange. I mean, last year, didn't Fickle coach Wisconsin in the bowl game? Oh, yeah, he did. Is that what's going to start happening? They're just going to put the new coaches I, with the these staffs. I guess, are you going to put the new players on on the on the new team? Like, yeah. you might like we got to field a roster here. Like, imagine mm-hmm. Brock Vandergriff is. I imagine he's not going to play in the Orange Bowl. He's mm-hmm. going to Kentucky. Like, there's no you're you're done. You're not you're not playing for George anymore. So I don't know. We I think I saw like 1,100 players or something like that had entered the portal as of Monday. I'm not sure what it's up to um now but yeah i think the first game that did it for me in terms of bowl season was uh oklahoma florida a couple years ago um that it was just like oklahoma florida in a bowl game like this is awesome and it's like yeah none of the guys are gonna play this is like it's just that was when like the the realization i wasn't the first game or anything but that was like the realization was like man Bowl games really do just kind of suck now. We just we uh, I, I want to I know when they're on my TV, I'm going to watch them because it's December and I'm not really sure what else is on other than Christmas movies and bowl games. I feel like it's that's the time of the season. Uh, the only reason you'll watch the Belk Bowl or something like that. But but yeah, it's um, I think there's a, a, a little bit of a crisis going on and, and how we kind of keep all those bowls alive with with how crazy this portal's gotten. The portal is quite wild and we'll see what ultimately happens here and i mean we're on uh seat and watch here matt green and speaking Uh, of debbie downer like i just i'm i'm with you like i don't want to be a debbie downer but it's like i can't even get excited like oh juice wells visiting tennessee like oh man like i i get excited for recruiting like oh this big five stars official visit like i can't keep track of both i I can't i can't keep track it's like I guess it, this isn't necessarily NFL fans deal with like the draft and free agency. It's like if you had the draft and free agency, just both on steroids, like 10 times the number of players in free agency. And then the, the, the draft, like you're not actually limited to how many guys you can get. Who knows how many of the top 30 players one team can land. It's, it's just, it's a different uh, beast, but, but yeah, it's like, it's hard to even get excited. Like there's, there's so many things happening. Like you see one guy in the portal and you're just like, oh, you'll get excited about that. And then you see your guy jump into the portal and then it's just, I don't know. It's it's an emotional roller coaster. No, I mean, it is. It uh, We'll see what happens. I mean, uh, the, we're taping this on, late on a Wednesday and then uh, sometime tomorrow, five-star offensive tackle and number one uh, tackle in the class will be announcing with uh, it looks like Tennessee is the leader going into tomorrow. But I mean, that would have the number one quarterback last year, the number one offensive tackle this year. Um, put probably Tennessee in the five to seven range in uh, the, this 2024 class. It's just it's a huge day. Like all Tennessee, it's it's, it's actually kind of amazing how unnerving uh, um, all yeah. this is this week uh, with that one because that's yeah, the final I mean, fish. And I'm a Georgia fan, so I don't even know what this is about, right? Yeah. Like we're not we're not losing starting quarterbacks in the portal, like it. Like w- Georgia's, I think it lost Nylon Green, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure is there is Vandergriff probably the next best one. Um, but it's just like, oh man, I was I was thinking that guy could be good for us one day, you know? Mm-hmm. Like other schools are having like their breakout wide receiver, like all right, peace. Like I, Ad Mitchell left a year ago, like that was that was a pretty big high profile, and Bear Alexander too. But it's like your Georgia is not 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 nearly in the position that some of these schools are, where 
you know, they're, they're stepping stone. They're turning to stepping stone programs for guys to get some exposure and get to the big time. Like we'll see, we've seen wake forest now produce a Notre Dame quarterback and, and who knows, maybe Duke just produced another Notre Dame quarterback. If that's where, uh, where Riley Leonard ends up. So I don't know. It, it's, it's definitely crazy. Um, I, I, I don't want to be a Debbie downer, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to keep up with it all. Absolutely. Well, we're not going to do that on this edition of the program. We'll have a transfer portals theme, uh, episode here, uh, probably a recruiting one too, uh, during the off season, but we, we still got time for that. There's a whole lot of not football going on. Uh, Matt Green wants uh, the bowl season and the college ball playoff wrap up. But uh, before we get into that, we kind of want to take a break here on this weekday show here because, look, um, you know, it's a long season, long grind, a lot of previews to do. Uh, many forget that I won the pick them uh, once again this year as the uh, the main college football knower on this very program, as you uh, so kindly described it before we jumped into um today's podcast is just something to make sure the listeners were keenly aware of matt green uh each and every week on this program when they go into next year and thinking about picks and who to listen to more um and you know which side to air on so uh, i appreciate you uh reminding me over that uh, as long as you're not talking tennessee because apparently you just say things when you're talking tennessee whether you believe them or not that's not it. It's just it's, <laughs> there's something that feels nasty about betting against Tennessee against Georgia, like the rivals. Like if you if they win and you didn't pick them, it's like, well, you didn't have faith in your team, bro. Mm-hmm. What's going on? That that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I know people that can bet that bet against their team. That is one of the more insane things. Um, yeah, I, there's no way because you never bet against Georgia, right? Or the Braves? Have you? No, I would never bet against right? them. I mean, I don't think they're going to win every game, but yeah. I would just not bet rather than bet against my team bad for the soul never do that folks don't bet against your team don't bet against your guys all that kind of stuff a couple um, years ago re- me and my buddy uh when one of my friends uh bachelor party was in vegas mm. me and another one of my friends i put in a bet in for georgia to win the national championship he put a bet in for the braves to win the world series and we uh we both cashed that shit man it was a uh, big time La- the yeah. last year was fun to bet on georgia uh really in 2021 when they were like a 10 to 1 favorite it, it hadn't been as fun the last couple of years well next year might be fun again because you're uh, not going to be the champ you won't be the 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 favorite team i don't know who the favorite but you team know is. they're going to come in at like you know four to one at like absolute like worst like they're they're going to be preseason top three four something like that yeah but, like 10 to one i'm not sure you're going to see georgia that high again for a while no probably not probably not um but we're going to do a burning questions themed episode here on uh, Pod Divided with Philly University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green here. Um, Matt, we have uh, I put together some questions that I thought would be fun to just kind of parse through um, uh, our pick'em or parse through our post pick'em podcast. And what I wanted to start with here, because um, we got a lot of different things, we're going to bounce around. I think this could be a fun exercise and kind of pick your brain and see where you're at on some of this stuff and see where. Uh, where we uh, where we agree, where we disagree on some of this, but some burning college football questions that I've been thinking about a lot over the last day, last week, last couple of weeks, and I think we start with the most, um, just you know, the most time sensitive, which is the college football playoff, because that is still something that pertains uh, to this college football season, Mac Green. Um, so I ask you, burning question number one: Should Alabama be considered the CFP favorite winner? 
And if not, who do you consider the favorite going into uh, the final four here in a couple weeks? Well, bottom line, until the Big Ten can beat the SEC in the college football playoff, like, I'm taking the SEC. Like, Michigan has looked really good this year, but, I mean, even with even with how dominant they've been, like I still, I'm, I still have my reservations on how good JJ McCarthy and that offense really is that it feels like Alabama, Michigan. And obviously we have a lot of time to, to get into that game, but it feels like that those are two teams that are going to be kind of struggling on offense and two dominant defenses. So I just, I tend to just trust that Alabama is going to have better athletes than Michigan. As good as, as many NFL players and prospects that Michigan has on this year's team. Um, and I think that <clears throat> offensive lineman that's out that got hurt in the big, in the Ohio state game. Like, I think that could be a pretty big, um, you know, a pretty big miss for, for Michigan in, in that game. So I think uh, until proven otherwise, Alabama is probably the favorite, but I mean, it's so hard to beat somebody twice, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that they're actually a better team than Texas. Like I think Texas is still, you know, obviously no one's giving Washington any, any shot right now, but, but I think, uh, I think Texas feels like the most complete team of this group to me, but it's hard to pick against Alabama. Alabama's Saban's nine and four in the college football playoff. The other, these three teams combined are zero and three. Hmm. And obviously, uh, Texas is the, this is their first appearance ever. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's interesting you went to the Big Ten first um, about them showing you. It, it does kind of feel like, I don't know if you've gotten the sense uh, nationally and you talking to your buddies and stuff like that. Has anyone been like, yeah, the number one seeds should be the favorite? Because it's very strange that, I mean, I still would give them better odds than Washington. I don't think Washington has a chance. I think the defense is too rough. Not in the blue chip ratio. Love Michael Penix. Love what they've done to this hey, point. Hey, the defense looked pretty good against Oregon, man. That Oregon offense is no joke. No, sure, for sure. I just, I think it's very unlikely that Washington beats Texas and or Bama slash Michigan in succession. I think that's asking a lot, especially beating uh, Oregon uh, before beating Oregon twice. Like, it's just, that's a special, special season that I'm just going to, like, an all-time great season. Like, we may never see just a run like that from a college football team, especially a college football team that has a roster as ever matches Washington did in a lot of those games, but just elite, elite receiver and quarterback play, uh, driving them some good corners, like you said, and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know, like, does anyone to bring it back to Michigan in the big 10, do you know anyone? Like, do you have a sense? Isn't it kind of weird that Michigan is the number one seed and we would all kind of be surprised if they won the national title? Only because it not only because it's Alabama, mm. like Alabama, just they it's a different brand. You know, it's like everyone just believes Nick Saban's going to going to get it done. But I think, you know, people might hear us talk about Alabama and kind of it's we're biased and we're reluctant to change our opinion that we had about Alabama. But I still feel like they're a flawed team. Like it's they don't have a consistent running game. It's a lot of Jalen Milrow go go see what you can make happen offensively. And he's not a superstar. He's a, an amazing athlete, but they just kind of find ways to win every single game they play. And this defense is legit. Like it's, it might not be the best defense in college football, but it's, it's up there. It's one of the best. So th it's going to, it's, it's going to be on the back of the defense that wins this. But I think 
when I just look at Michigan, obviously they've had a dominant defense all, all year long too. I think those Ohio State and Penn State games kind of open people's eyes that like those are the two good teams they've played and they didn't dominate. They were they won the games. They were better than those teams, but they're scoring what 24 points in both of those games, some 27 points, something like that. With 30th with 30 24, is that what the Ohio, Ohio State of Michigan yes. was? Um but their, their offense just hasn't been dominant. So you look at how good Alabama's defense is, it's like, would it shock you at all if they held that Michigan offense to 10 points? Like, I mean, not really, at least under 20. So I, I think that that's it's going to be a physical game. I think it's hard for me, and it's not, it's not the 2021 team, it's not the 2022 team, but it's hard to get that image out of your head of Georgia absolutely smacking this team around two years ago in the, in the playoff after they won the SEC and seeing TCU hang 50 on them, a team that a lot of people didn't think even belonged. And, and that was also a dominant Michigan defense statistically. So it's uh, it's hard to know exactly what you're getting out of that Big Ten champion um, each year because they've had some some kind of bad showings at times in the college football playoff. Yeah, I think all that's fair. Um, I have some some Michigan stats for you. You ready? Hit me. So JJ McCarthy is a big, big question mark for me. And part of that stems from, okay, non-conference games for JJ McCarthy this year. He's played three, seven TDs, four picks, 10.2 yards per attempt, but four picks, only seven TDs against the non-conference schedule for them against unranked teams, 20 TDs, five picks, 9.6 yards per attempt completed 73% of his passes. Against ranked teams, Matt Green. He's played three of them this year. Completing 78% of his passes. Good. Who's the third one? Uh, Wait, what's that again? Who's the third ranked team? Oh, um, Iowa? Yes, Iowa. Okay. 6.6 yeah. 6 yards per attempt. One touchdown, zero picks. He's thrown one TD against a ranked team this year. Wow. Against FBS winning teams this year. Just winning teams. He's played in six of those games. Five TDs, five picks, 8.0 yards per attempt. I don't trust, I, I just, there's something off about the Michigan offense to me. And I just don't trust them to be able to beat Alabama and Texas in back-to-back -back games. I don't think they have the firepower to be able to pull that off. And it's kind of wild that they're just the number one seed and they're undefeated going in here. But I don't know. I just, I don't feel it for them. And I, I think it really comes down to me Texas and Alabama like I think it would be a monumental upset if it's not one of those two teams and I don't even think it's a big 10 issue I just think Ohio State the last couple of years and last year with CJ Stroud playing at a Heisman level like there's a reason that he went number what two in the draft this past year or uh two or three what did he go uh two or three I forgot which one because Will Anderson Stroud? Mm -hmm. Stroud was oh yeah you're right I don't know either um... <laughs> I think it was three I think, yeah, three must. We'll go with three. It's either two or three. I'll, I'll look it up. Um, but he's an NFL player. Like, he's balling as a rookie um, in Houston. And he was a special guy and was able to push Georgia in a different kind of way. Number two. I don't, I, uh, he went two? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just, I don't think JJ McCarthy's that guy. There's there's a reason he's not being mocked in the, the top three of the draft next year. Uh, he comes out after this year. Like, he's fine. Um, but I just don't think he's the, that it guy. I mean, you, you, if you remove the five star label to him, I just, I don't 
think I think he's better than Cade McNamara. The upside's a little bit more, but I don't know. My gut just tells me that this Michigan offense is not going to be able to do enough against two very, very scary dominant fronts in Alabama and Texas for the Wolverines to be able to do it. Um, yeah, like, he's definitely uh, Ohio better State than, team can. He's definitely better than Cade McNamara, but yeah. um, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I just I just saw this Alabama team hold Georgia's offense to 24 points. Like this, this Georgia offense has been significantly more explosive and dynamic than Michigan all year long. So I think uh, if they can hold Georgia to 24 points, like I can see Alabama winning this game with like 17, 20 points or something like that. Like, I think this, this is going to be a game that's like, that's low scoring. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, The final thing I'll say on, the BAM part of all of this is that like, it's funny. Doesn't it seem like there, there's this like cliche in sports. I don't think it's just a college football thing, but there's a cliche that um, it's hard to beat a team twice. Right. And then mm-hmm. you see teams do it. Utah beat uh, USC multiple times last year. You see the PAC 12 champ has beaten the team previously in the season more often than not. We just saw it again with Washington, Oregon. So we just hear this narrative that, look we like texas texas is really good but i just it's gonna be hard to beat alabama twice what if it's not what if alabama is just not a good matchup for texas and texas just does what they did uh in tuscaloosa all over again the national title the national title will be in houston it'll have a home game feel for the longhorns i think um well you know alabama fans are going to travel like it's a national championship it'll be a neutral site it could be 60 40 or something but Last time it was in Bryant Denny Stadium, so mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty big equalizer for a game you already for a team you already beat by ten points, for sure. And look, I just I don't know. I just think that's something to monitor here because a lot of people have just penciled that in as a bad matchup. I think the favorite for me is Texas. Um, I'd feel better if Brooks was healthy, the running back, but Quinn Ewers is playing some really good football here. They're rolling at the right time. Love that defensive line. They're going to be able to match Bama in the trenches. I like their receivers more than Bama's. I, I just think they're a better matchup. Um, yeah, Donai Mitchell, all he does mm-hmm. is catch touchdowns in college football playoff games. So he's played in four of them, won every one of them, and caught a touchdown in every one of them. Do you know what I was also thinking about today? That would be the most just... I don't even want to put this out in the atmosphere, Matt Green, but do you remember what happened the last time Nash, uh, Texas and Alabama played in the national title? Oh. Yeah, Colt McCoy going down, uh, first series of the game. Do you know what, I mean, Quinn Ewer is not exactly the healthiest quarterback. Now, don't you put that out there. That's, I mean, that's what happened the last time Alabama played Texas, period. Yeah. Quinn I Ewer's mean, got hurt. Can you imagine if that happened again in the national title? Quinn gets knocked out by uh, Dallas Turner. No, that early. would be, uh, don't even put that out there. It's in the hey, back they, of my mind. You got to get by Washington first. I think Washington is a really interesting matchup. Like that's, I love how these matchups came out because it's, it's like the two same styles facing each other. Like both of the two big time defensive teams are facing each other. Then you got Texas and, and Washington, more offensive, more dynamic passing attacks. Like I, I, Washington is not a bad, like Texas is not a bad matchup for Washington. Like as, as good as Texas is like, I think uh, you've seen teams with worse offenses than Washington give Texas uh, problems at times. And Michael Penix Jr., like these receivers, like their receivers are at full strength right now. We saw how good they looked a week ago against against Oregon. Like 
I'm I'm definitely not ruling out Washington winning that game. It it, it I've said they they feel like TCU, like the the TCU Michigan thing, like that kind of feeds into it. Like everyone's going to be picking Texas to win this game because it feels like Texas is like the most complete team, like blue chip ratio, all of that type stuff. But I I just I wouldn't rule out what one quarterback and wide and a couple wide receivers can can the way they can change a game. And we've seen Washington's running attack in recent weeks too just be uh really dangerous. So I I'm not don't sleep on the Huskies. No, I, I don't disagree. Um we'll see. We'll see, Matt Green. Um next up, something right down your alley following uh, the dogs. Um going down in Atlanta to Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide once again. My question to you, burning question number two, is the UGA dynasty over? Is the 2024 schedule that got released today, leaked today, influencing that feeling, whether or not uh, you're kind of a little bit more nervous about it uh, going into next year? And then your biggest unanswered question going into the offseason that you would like to see answered for Georgia? So uh, you're loving this, aren't you? You've uh, you've been waiting a long time for Georgia to lose a football game. I can I can tell you're uh, you're enjoying uh, not just talking about another bulldog win every time we get on the podcast. I will say it would have felt sweeter if it was Tennessee. Like Bama doing it doesn't actually move the needle for me. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's kind of funny how many like like listening to uh, I actually brought myself to listen to Chris Marler's podcast mm. uh, this week. And it's funny how many calls they got from Georgia fans that were like, you know, we just really, this is the golden era of Georgia football. We just really appreciate what we've done these last three years. And he's just like, he's getting pissed off because like Georgia fans aren't as salty as he was expecting. Mm-hmm. They're trying, they're kind of just like, yeah, this is incredible. Like they're 41 and two in the last three seasons, like won two national championships. Like, like I was telling you a week ago, like this thing, it didn't even register like top five on toughest losses like the, the tennessee hail mary was mm. probably like a, t- a more gut-wrenching loss at, at that time you know obviously bigger stakes in this game but you've just georgia's won so much in recent years i don't know that georgia like does georgia is georgia a dynasty period were they ever called a dynasty like winning back to back i feel like you always needed like three championships to win a dynasty i don't know if that's a thing but i think that's kind of what what was always called a, a dynasty, maybe back to back is a dynasty, but whatever you want to call Georgia, like this run is, is not coming anywhere close to an end. Like if Carson Beck's coming back next year, like this team could very well be preseason number one, like next year, like they're going to be loaded. You six of the last seven years, Georgia has not lost more than one regular season game. So it's, uh, I think you're going to see more of the same. Like this 2024 schedule, it's absolutely brutal. Like that's that's going to be a game. So, so to answer your first question, I don't know that everyone considers Georgia a dynasty. Period. But I mean, this where Georgia's program is right now, I don't think is going anywhere. So, I, I the reason if we're going back to Alabama's dynasty being dead thing, it's because they had an unprecedented run of dominance for a certain period of time. I've I've said here multiple times. I'm sure people like would throw that in my face, like, "Oh, I thought you said the dynasty was dead. They're gonna win another national championship." Like LSU won a national championship in 2019. They were not a dynasty. You don't have to mm. be a dynasty to pop up and win a championship every three years. Like 
I mean, it's just Nick Saban is still a dominant coach. They're still a great program, but it's not a dynasty in my opinion. They're just, this feels like an overachieving team, a great story, a great coaching job by Nick Saban, and it could be a national championship team, but that just doesn't make it a dynasty in my opinion. Maybe we're splitting hairs, but that's my definition of dynasty. So it, yeah, well, what were you going to say? Well, I just think part of it is like not even Georgia's fault. And I'm letting Georgia off the hook here a little bit, but the 12-team playoff is just going to make it so much harder. This schedule that you look at for 2024 for Georgia, it looks like two losses to me. And that doesn't even mean like Georgia's going to have a down year. Like Georgia could be just as good as this past year and lose two games. Like it's just a really, really, at Texas and at Bama in a regular season, it's just going to be brutal. Like those two teams might be the best two teams in the SEC again next year. Um, I don't know. I just think it's going to be really, really difficult. There's going to be a lot more volatility there. And it's just going to promote more. Not necessarily when when parity has been thrown around for the expanded playoff. I think people have taken and run with that as like, oh, well, then you're going to like the G5s or the smaller power five schools are going to have more of an opportunity. We're going to see more of this. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think there's going to be parity amongst the SEC. So I think you'll see like the number three team in the SEC. And I think that's what people really mean when they talk about parity, because no one's really talking about the bottom half of college football. Or not even the bottom half, like the fourth team in the Big Ten, the second team in the ACC. When I say bottom half, I mean like the 70th to 130th team in college football. You know, like no one's actually talking about We're talking about the teams in the Power Five, the top 25 teams. Like there will be more parity, I think, among those. Yeah, I think so. So I just think it's going to be hard for anyone to have a dynasty. Like, I think Georgia is actually going to end up being the last of a dying breed in terms of like what's realistic. And I think college football fans are going to have to brace what success is in modern college football. I think the hardest thing that college football fans are going to have to get over is wins and losses, because I think you're going to see more of your favorite team lose more games in the regular season and that not matter as much as it used to where you lose one game and you're like, oh, are we now out of the playoff? Is our season over? You're going to have to get more used to eight and four and then going on a run in the SEC and then potentially still being able to win a national championship. Like that doesn't mean your season's over. And it feels feels like college football didn't need that. But do you agree with what I'm saying there? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Because I mean, it's like the NBA needed like, oh, yeah, your team's out of it. We need a reason to try to get fans excited in season tournament. No one knows what the hell's going on. Let's try to do something in these regular season games. It's like Clemson, South Carolina. It doesn't matter what those teams records are. At the end of the year, the fans are going to be packed out and it's going to be a huge game, you know. So I think I feel like there wasn't really that need to to increase like oh, we've lost one game. Oh, and we've lost two games. We're still a playoff team. We're still going to come out and support our team. Like college football te- fans are a different breed. Like they're mm. going to be there regardless. A lot of them will. Some of them won't. Miami fans won't be there regardless. Mm. But I think um, you just, you look at, you know, what the what the format is right now. And I don't know. I think uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with it. I like, I just, I, I still like, I'm still, curious how the 12 team playoff is going to look i think i think the the pair from the parity perspective i think it's going to be a little like the ncaa tournament like it's you're still going to see teams go back to back like it's it's crazy what georgia's done these last couple years but like we've seen dominant teams throughout history like you're going to see teams go back to back again it might be harder but the best teams in these 12 team format the best team's still going to win more times than not because i think in football 
it's not like other sports. I think the best team wins more often. It's not, we're not talking about baseball and having like a expanded postseason or something like that. So I think there is still that, but I, I think there could be an element like NCAA tournament, like you're willing to go to a smaller school that has a better chance to get into the tournament or something like that. You know, you're willing to go to that third team in the, in the ACC and the, the third team in the, in the big 10 or something, because that's actually a way that you could get into the playoff and get some exposure. And so it kind of makes more teams attractive transfer portal, like destinations. But I, um, I don't know. I, it, there's a, there's a lot of ways it could go for sure. I agree. Uh, Matt Green, sneaky or not even sneaky, burning question number three. I'll get your perspective here first. Is year four a sneaky huge year for Josh Heupel? Um, what should the expectation be for the most reasonable uh, fans and the administration at Tennessee? And how has your opinion of Tennessee evolved over the last three years? Well, to answer your first question... I think it is, like you would say, a sneaky huge year for Josh Heupel because he's not under, we're going to get to the SEC hot seat type talk. He's un, he's not under hot seat pressure, but he's under a different kind of pressure. He's under double digit win pressure, you know? Mm. And that's, that's a little bit different than, yeah, you have a bad season, you're going to get fired. Like it's, like there's a feeling to it of like you can have a good season, but is how good is good enough type of thing to, to be under less pressure going into, into 2025 or something. So there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I, I think he definitely is under pressure. And you look at Tennessee had what four or five offensive senior offensive linemen this past year i think cooper mays is coming back is that right a lot of guys are coming back so john campbell's back um he's going to use his seventh year of eligibility to start at left tackle for the vols next year um we'll see i'm at the right tackle spot but i mean it's going to be at least for right now and we'll see what happens with jordan seaton because he's probably a day one starter at right tackle if he commits tomorrow um but i would say right now it's campbell at left we'll see at left guard um that's an opening center cooper right spragans will be back uh it looks like and then right tackle will also we'll also see but tight end you lose both you lose mccallan castles and jacob Bourne. but they had nine seniors on the defensive side i don't know how many of those guys can potentially yeah keenan peely's back back. but you also yeah you also gotta wonder like if some of these guys are six year seniors or so it's like Mm. You know, you kind of don't want guys that are around that long. You want guys that are three and trying to get to the NFL or four and, and they're NFL players. So mm. 
that could be a good thing, the experience, the continuity, but um, I don't know. So I don't know how many of those seniors they actually lose on defense, but I think, uh, I think they're definitely under a lot of pressure because like we talked about a year ago, like they're not in a position yet to where it's just like, oh, okay, there's like nine, 10 wins we can circle. And then there's these toss-up games against Alabama and Georgia. Like there's still a lot of toss-up games for Tennessee. And like, their, their schedule probably isn't as tough as Georgia's uh, next year, kind of talking about. But, I mean, it might be. Like, you still got to go at Georgia. You still got to go uh, who is at Oklahoma. You got Alabama, Florida, Kentucky at home. Go at Arkansas. Like, I mean, I don't know that Arkansas isn't going to be a good team next year. Like, we've we've seen, you know, we've seen different things from this team in the last couple of years. So, um, and then NC state, I mean, that's probably a win in, in the neutral site, but you know, I don't know I, you're breaking in a freshman quarterback, like a, a first year starter. Like we don't really know what the floor is yet for Tennessee. Like this, we don't know that this team isn't a seven and five team next year. Like, I mean, we don't know that for a fact, do we? I mean, they went eight and four this year. I mean, they're going to be a lot better. There's an infusion. This is a gap year. Seven and five is, I mean, Seven and no, five. I, that's that's worst case scenario for sure. But I don't know for a fact that they're I think worst case that. is eight and four. Um, but this schedule. And how are to Tennessee me, feeling? How are Tennessee fans feeling with eight and four? Everything that's, that's comes down legit. to context. I guess it depends on who they lose to. How Nico looks is probably a big part. It's like is the offense back to number four in scoring? The defense is a little bit worse or something, and that's the eight and four. Nico goes through some some redshirt freshman lumps but you still see like future like heisman in 2025 then like you can live with it i mean you don't love it but you can live with it i think to me you talk about the schedule i mean nc state lost a bunch of guys in the portal like they're having nil problems like they're gonna be nc state i'm not worried about that one i think the schedule is the second easiest in the sec outside of arkansas i mean you're gonna be you're gonna be favored in at least nine games here you get alabama back in knoxville that's huge you get Florida at home. That's a big, big, big one you need in a toss-up type game because they're just a totally different team in the swamp. At Arkansas, you'll be favored there. Um, not necessarily guaranteed win, but you'll be favored at Arkansas. At Georgia, you will not be favored, and that's <laughs> probably the most likely loss there. And at Oklahoma, I mean, Hypel is going to be up for that game. Like, that is obviously his first time returning to Norman uh, since coaching the balls and all that stuff. So it's going to be a big game for him important for him for a lot of reasons um we'll see i mean we'll see what oklahoma looks like they'll be bringing in a new quarterback too in jackson darnold um i don't know i don't think the talent uh, mismatch there is pretty huge new offensive coordinators co coordinators with seth, seth Littrell and joe john finley i think is his name um there with levy taking the mississippi state job i don't know this schedule to me i think is very very hey, nice you left out those one kentucky of the worst. wildcats man no absolutely not. that's a guaranteed win especially at home no no, no chance Brock's not walking in uh, Neyland Stadium getting a dub. I don't know about that. We'll we'll see. Kentucky, it, two of the last three years versus Heupel, they've played them one score games. Like you know, we'll see. It wasn't the it wasn't the two that were, or it wasn't one of the ones that was in Knoxville. But no, I won't. Hey, don't don't sleep on the Wildcats. Hey, we, we just, we're sleeping. Do, do you guys play Missouri next year or no. like South Carolina? Nope. Okay. No yeah, House of Horrors uh, in South Carolina. No, it's gonna be. They're going to be okay. Ducking uh, Eli Drinkowitz. Tennessee's scared of that rivalry. Okay. Um, next up. <laughs> is, next up. Your personal favorite coaching hire 
thus far. Only a couple jobs left, like Duke still open, James Madison, and I want to say, I guess Tulane is the other one still open. But Matt Green, your favorite coaching hire this cycle and why? I would say if we're going like, like value, like expectations, like what you're capable of, like Indiana probably did the best, hmm. like with Kurt Signetti, like, it's just like, okay, I see Indiana, like doing, <laughs> doing your thing, getting the next up and coming guy. Um, but I think Michigan state with getting Jonathan Smith, that feels like, okay, that's a guy that Michigan state, like Mike could win a championship with. Like that's, like, I'm not saying Michigan State should have that expectation, but this is a program that's been to a college football playoff. Like, they were paying Mel Tucker elite of elite money, even if he wasn't that coach. Michigan State's a program that has, like, high expectations. And Jonathan Smith seems like he's he's a big-time coach, and I think Michigan State has a higher ceiling uh, than Oregon State probably ever had. Championship's high. You know what's funny is – I like Jonathan Smith. Um, I talked for Big Ten titles. Let's start with that. Okay, I didn't know what you meant there, because um, I was like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But um, I, I like the optimism in East Lansing. Um, I think it's the highest upside of all these coaching hires that have been made to this point. I think it's like the most high profile, in my opinion. Really? Because I think it's Elko. He's putting together a great staff. I love the Colin Klein OC edition, pulling him from Kansas State, his alma mater. I think he's put together a really good staff. He had a big pool of money to put together a good staff. A lot of guys in the portal in and out, but like they just needed, I don't want to say an adult because that's dismissive of Jimbo and everything else. It's not that it's just, they got a guy that I think his floor is so high and I think he nailed the OC hire. Like Con Klein has been an offensive magician at Kansas state doing a lot with less. He'll be able to do a lot with more in, uh, in Texas A&M. I don't know to me. I think Elko is the best upside play just because the talent's going to be there. The resources are there. They just needed like a good modern college football coach who can raise the floor and just, I mean, get you settled with Texas and company coming in the sec. I just, I think Elko is, they it obviously was a weird scenario with stupid. There's an asterisk. There's an asterisk yeah. next to Elko because why? why? Because why didn't you bring in Mark Stoops? Like you guys are so against Mark Stoops, and you brought in a Mark Stoops with less experience. Like maybe he'll be as good as Mark Stoops. It's like that Family Guy, like the the boat or the mystery box. Like oh, mm-hmm. we could have the mystery box. It could even be a boat. Like it's like if at best case scenario, Mike Elko is as good of a coach as Mark Stoops. I mean, not best case scenario. Obviously you could be better than Mark Stoops, but they seem like guys of a, the same type of mold. And he just, mm-hmm. he's gotten a program. That's not a college football program. Essentially. They're not a football school at Kentucky. And obviously Elko was doing that at Duke for two years. And like, what do they win? Seven games this year. Like obviously they had the injury with Riley Leonard, but like they weren't amazing. Like, Dude, Kentucky has been, they've gotten so good that they've started to get disrespected for not being a true contender. It's like, that's where we're at with Kentucky football. That's like, oh yeah, they're just, they're not legit. They're just going to win like seven or eight games. It's like, yeah, seven or eight games at Kentucky. Like, so that's the only reason with the, how weird all the Mark Stoops was stuff was to go with it. Um, that's why that is an asterisk for me next to Elko hire. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think they did find a good guy. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's a wait and see. And Signetti, man, he just wins wherever he goes. I like that call because he's 119 and 35 as a head coach. Um, he was actually on Nick Saban's inaugural 
Alabama staff in 2007. He was there for four years, uh, wide receiver coach, and uh, ran it. Uh, I don't know what RC is. What would RC be? Uh, what is it? A recruiting coordinator? Maybe. Yeah, I oh. guess maybe that's what it is. Um, but you look, wouldn't man, call it a you, receiver coach, right? You would. Yeah, you would be just WR. Wide I don't receiver. know what RC is. Um, Eleven and one this past year, eight and three uh, in year one. James Madison, fifty-two and nine total um, as a head coach. Like fifty-two and nine, man. Like I don't. That's I didn't think Indiana could pull that good of a coach. Um, and it's a tough job. I mean, that's, is that the toughest job in the Big Ten? You can make the case. I mean, it's a basketball school. Not a lot of talent there. Fans like just, Northwestern and Northwestern seems worse. I don't know. Northwestern's had some more success. Northwestern's been right there in the Big they've Ten title big, games. They've had Big Ten West success. Like Indiana's just been taking it in the East. Like <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with these no divisions. Like Indiana, they're gonna be like, guys, we've been telling you this is some bullshit. We've had to play every <laughs> year. So, but yeah, I think people get too caught up on like, oh, you're Indiana. You should hire like a sixty-year-old coach that's been around the block and like can get you guys back. You don't want to just hire some guy that's going to get poached by another school. It's like, hell yeah, you do. Like, if you're if your coaches are getting poached by big time programs, like you're doing something right. So mm. it's like, look at look at the Cincinnati Bearcats. Like every coach they get gets poached into a to a big time job. Like that's it means you're doing something right. No, I don't. Uh, I don't disagree. Um, Matt Green. Also, let me throw one more out just because it happened and it, under the radar. Bronco Mendenhall getting the New Mexico job. Love that. Like him popping back in. They do just won games. That's a really tough job in FBS. One of the worst. No one's really had success since Bob Davey. Um, I don't know what he did to make that work. I guess this cool little, he didn't run the triple, but he ran something close. That was kind of cool. So I don't know what uh, Broncos got. New Mexico was always better than New Mexico State back in the day, though, mm-hmm. right? Like, Brian Erlocker, Terrence hey, Mathis. There were some Erlacher. dudes. Erlocker was the only thing I had. I, Mathis, I don't think I knew Terrence Mathis was New Mexico. I didn't know that. It's a nice pull right there. I got you. Those are the, those are the only two. Um, I remember I got but, real upset at a uh, sleepover when I was younger because a friend of mine traded me a bogus signed Terrence Mathis jer- card that he, uh, <laughs> that I think it's just like his sister signed or something. I remember it was a, it was a whole thing. It was hilarious. Wow. Okay. It's a throwback. We love the collecting the cards back in the yeah. day. That was uh that was where it's at. Game jerseys and autographed cards and stuff. I guess people still do it. I, I haven't been in the game for a while. I never was a card guy. Just never really moved the needle for me. Yeah, I would say like eight years old to like twelve years old. I was super into it. It was a it was a small window. I like the pencils. I like the NBA team pencils and stuff. Missed those. Oh a lot. yeah, I had the I had those. I too, collected for those. Sure. Those were my jam. School. I loved a lot of good sports pencils. Um, God, that's the nerdiest thing I've said on this podcast in a while. Uh, <laughs> the most interesting portal name is who for you, Matt Green? A lot of lot of guys to choose from yeah, here. There's so many guys in the portal. Obviously, I mean uh, Walter Nolan. I mean that's mm. probably the biggest name in the portal right now. Um, I feel like it's not fair, but I definitely with, with what all the stuff A&M's got going on, like there's some logical reasons like guys are just getting out of there. But it feels like when position players transfer, there's just not 
it doesn't feel like we're not playing Madden. We're not playing NCAA where it's like, oh, we can just go add an 87 overall onto our roster. We're going to be better. It's like, it feels like, oh, maybe there's a reason this guy didn't work out. Like Bear Alexander, it's like, oh, we got a defensive tackle transfer from Georgia. Like, how good is this guy? And and he was good, but there was times that you saw like, nah, maybe this guy isn't like superstar level. Maybe that's why he wanted to go to USC, cash in on the NIL. But so I, I have a little bit of hesitation, but we've also seen like some receivers come in and just ball out. Like, so Rocket Sanders is a huge one to me that like, this past year for him, you know, it, it just never really got going, had some injury issues and everything. But I mean, this guy is potentially the best running back in the SEC, I think, if he's healthy a year ago. Um, so he's an interesting one to me. But in terms of like how big of an impact they could have on like the 2024 season, I think Riley Leonard's got to be up there with the most interesting ones to me. Like maybe Dylan Gabriel, like just someone that like is a quarterback away from winning a college football uh, playoff from getting to the playoff or winning a national championship. Like it feels like some of those experienced quarterbacks can come in and maybe be the cherry on top that somebody needs. The thing though, about the quarterback group, I don't think anybody moves the needle. I think we're over. Look, I love Hendon. Hendon's my dude. Really, really enjoyed watching Hendon Hooker play football at the university of Tennessee. That being said, I think everyone just thinks that there's a Joe Burrow in all of these classes and all these transfer portal classes. And I just, you look at it, look at this uh, CFP right here, right? Jalen Milrow, homegrown. Carson Beck this year, homegrown. Well, Michigan, well, the, oh, Michigan okay. I'm thinking Michael homegrown. Penix, Michael Penix Jr. Michael transfer. Penix Jr., no. Quinn Ewers, we're not counting the Ohio State. Ah, He's not a transfer. a transfer. No, because he was a senior in high school when he was there. I don't call that a transfer. Like, the dude was literally a senior in high school at Ohio State. I'm not calling that a transfer. That was a... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what the, I want to call that, but I'm not calling Quinn Ewers a transfer to the University of Texas. That being said, look at last year. Was, Max Duggan, homegrown. Stetson Bennett, homegrown. He was also a transfer. Juco, but he started at Georgia. <laughs> he doesn't count. Like that's not a that's not what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Ohio State, CJ Stroud, homegrown. Um, who am I missing? Was that it? JJ yeah, McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, same it, thing. Yeah. But I just I was going through it the other day where I'm like, it's just the majority of these guys who the teams that really win. You look at the best in college football this year and the best teams all together. Jordan Travis, homegrown guy. Um, Bo Nix, no, Jordan, transfer. Jordan Travis is a transfer. Was he? Yeah. Where did, Where did he... he transfer from? Did oh, I completely man. miss this? Yeah, I mean, he was definitely somewhere, but I mean, he's been... No, he's been I'm there looking at it right now. He never transferred. I Almost... Yeah, he was at Louisville his freshman year. Was he really? I knew he was, because I've heard people say that so many times, um, but I don't remember him, obviously. I have a total blind spot for this. I mean, he's been there for five years. So okay, that must be what it is. Yeah. He's Yeah, he's basically a Florida State homegrown, but he was okay. a Louisville transfer. No, but he doesn't count, because he was there a year. I'm looking at this. I have no recollection. They don't even mention it on broadcast that he was a transfer. Like, I have no, no recollection. I think, of I, think, I think that's the only reason I've heard it, because I've heard the stats, the stats said more than I actually remembered it myself. See, if he played in the AC title game, we would have heard that a lot because he that's uh, true. Uh, that game. But I don't know. I just, you know, I Jake Fromm played in the Lily World Series. I did most hear that. Pe- most people don't know that. Matt Stafford, Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> Good friends. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just I think the best 
way of going about quarterback is developing your own guys. Like, I think it's good to have stop gaps. I think a lot of these transfer guys are nice stop gaps while you get ready for the next guy. But it's a better path to long-term sustainability in the sport when you're not having to dip into the portal for transfer guys. And I just think most of these guys are applies. game manager, not needle movers. Like DJ Uangale doesn't move the needle for anybody. Like, But that applies to every position. It's just, it's a more sustainable model to recruit high school kids and develop yeah. them and be in your system. But that's, it's hard to do because guys are transferring so much. So obviously everyone wants to do that, but quarterback by far has been the most impactful transfer position. Mm. Like you've seen a lot of teams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, like we're talking about Jalen Hurts, like you've seen a lot of teams dip in for one guy uh, for one year. Um, Notre Dame, your boy that I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Riley Leonard Hart or Sam Hartman? Hartman. Sam yeah. Hartman. Um, like we've seen a lot of quarterbacks transfer to places and, and still have success. So I think of all the positions, that's that just seems like the one, like like how NFL teams do. Like like the Colts are a quarterback away, so they go out and try to get a Philip Rivers or something. Like just someone, a veteran that's got that's got some eligibility left. Like so, I think I'm shocked at the 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 portal options I'm seeing for like DJ Uyunglele. Like mm. I'm like, are you better than Oregon State? Like I'm not. I'm not really sure where you're going, but I don't know. I've seen some big names out there, but I don't know. I think there's definitely some guys. Dylan Gabriel is one of those guys that I still don't know how good he is. I feel like mm -hmm. he is a good player, but it feels like there's something missing. Like, I don't know if you can win a national championship with him, but if, I mean, if you're just, if you're, uh, I, I mean, what's stopping just for, if you're some Iowa or someone that just has been awful offensively from just going out and getting one of these big time quarter. I guess they don't want to come to Iowa. I, I guess that's the problem. Well, Cade's back. So he's running back for one more year. Like I, like I said, like I said, like I said, you need a big time quarterback with that can play. That can actually have a good offense. Um, Matt green final one here. And we wrap up here on tonight's show. SEC coach on the hottest of seats heading into next year. Last burning question tonight for you. Who do you think it is? So what you don't want to hear is that Josh Heupel is actually fourth on this list. Fourth. under He's under a lot of pressure. His seat's not hot yet, but if you look, go through the SEC right now, there's not many hot seats. There's a lot of like first and second year guys mm -hmm. in this conference right now, and then there's just some established guys like, like Kirby and Saban and Stoops. But right now, I think number one... I think technically number one is Sam Pittman, mm. but I think my actual number one is Billy Napier because I think yeah. it's completely different. So the top three I have is Napier, Pittman, and Shane Beamer, but it's just completely different because Beamer and, and Pittman go seven and five next year. They're good. Like everything's fine. We're going to a bowl game. Napier goes seven and five. I'm not sure they're okay with that. Like I mm. think at Florida, like, Maybe with that schedule they have a, a year from now, because I mean, man, at a conference, they're they're going through the, the Sunshine State at a conference next year with Miami, Florida State, and UCF, and then everyone they're going to get in the SEC. So that schedule is going to be brutal for Florida. Maybe they might they might be logical enough to be like, we can't just be firing a coach every like three years. <laughs> like this is just not a good look, even though we've kind of done that for the past decade, but. I think maybe a bowl game is like, okay, we're seeing some progress. Like after two straight seasons of missing a bowl, wait, no, three straight seasons of missing a bowl game, right? But this is mm -hmm. just the second one for Napier. 
So if you if Napier misses a bowl game for the third straight year, like he's done, in my opinion. And I think it, it's going to be difficult for them to make a bowl game next year. And if they might not be happy with like seven and five or six and six, like I said. So I think Napier's seat for like actually seeing tangible results is the hottest. But um, but but Sam Pittman feels like the closest to actually being fired right now. I think it's Napier. I think Sam Pittman, I think, is probably number two for me. But I think I just, the Petrino return, I'm buying some stock there. We'll see what happens with yeah. KJ Jefferson and company. But I don't know. I'm just well, he's buying in the portal, some, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I guess we don't I, know if he's gone, but. Right. So we'll see. I mean, I saw like Will Rogers got the crystal ball to Washington, by the way, as a portal guy next year. Mm. And Kalen DeBoer's offense, Will Rogers, I might buy some stock there. I might buy some uh, yeah. intriguing stock within there. Seems um, like Washington might could do better than that. I don't know. I mean, I, well, well, that's off-season talk. Off-season yeah, yeah. talk in terms of Washington and what's going to happen there. Um, I think it's Napier. Like, it's just you can't go three straight losing seasons at Florida. With the talent, with the classes he's signing, and with the history and everything else, the SEC's too competitive. Florida's still too good of a job because we talk about it. Like, it shouldn't be this hard. Florida makes it so much harder than it should be to win there consistently. And I think Florida can always do better. Like, I understand their issues. Dan Mullen is kind of hilarious about it. Shout out to my guy, Dan. But look, I... Your guy, Dan? That, that's your boy? Dan. Dan Mullen's awesome. He has a permanent spot here. I'm going to get Dan on soon. Because, like, anything... Dan Mullen's my dude. I just like real guys who just... Look, man. He's like, I'm I'm good on the recruiting front. Like, And then I'm also going to tweet about, like, yeah, I like Syracuse. They're cool, but yeah, I'm, just, I'm not going I like him if he's not a college football coach. <laughs> I mean, he's still one of the... I mean, Recruiting's still, kind of a big deal. Top ten, top fifteen, he's somewhere in that range. Uh, if you lot a lot of programs would love to have you're a Dan Mullen. If he right was, now. if you're saying if he was coaching right now, he'd be a top ten or top fifteen coach in in college football. Yeah, when you're a top three offensive mind in the sport. Yeah. What? Sure. Yeah. No. You got Mississippi this... State to the number one overall CFP ranking. How hell are we gonna milk that for? I mean, he can milk that forever. Yeah. Like we'll never uh, see it again, Matt Green. We'll never see it again. All right. I don't know about top 10, top 15. I think he'd be coaching if that were the case. I think recruiting is like half of a college football coach's job. I don't disagree so that that would have to change a little bit, but also could he get another program like Mississippi State to a top three, top five record and kind of still be the same dude? Yeah. If he hired a general manager on his staff yeah. that it was his job to accumulate talent in the portal and like shit like that. Um, yeah, there could be a place like, like when we were talking about him going to Syracuse, oh, we mm -hmm. didn't even talk about Fran Brown, uh, getting that job from, from Syracuse. I was just saying in our, in our conversation yeah. with, the, with big the coaches, hire too. But, stole the defensive line coach from A&M as their DC, like yeah. he's beefing up good staff for him for sure. So Mullen would have to go some super low profile kind of, we'll take whatever sort of success you can give us like type yeah. of job but um but yeah i mean i'm not calling him a top 10 top 15 head coach what are you talking about over there sir no 100 you're, like, you're just trying to get this guy on the pod i respect it top three offensive mind in the sport top three offensive mind gotta have him in there it's him it's that's a big it's part Michael. of it lincoln riley's a damn good offensive mind and there's a we've we've seen there's a lot more that goes to being a college football coach than being an offensive mind good hire though stole his rival crosstown rival uh Lynn as his new DC going next year wasn't the boldest hire, but UCLA's defense was good this year. I think that was a sneaky good hire for Lincoln. Yeah. Riley. But like um, we were, we, but we were talking about Florida and like, I, mean, I think it's Napier. Look at the schedule. Like I, I was just, just going to point out the schedule. The home games are Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss and A&M. 
Mm. And then on the road, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, and Mississippi State. Like that's mm. that's brutal. On top of at Florida State at a conference. Um, and then I don't know where the Miami game is, but I think wherever the Miami game is, there's gonna be more Florida fans than Miami fans there. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't disagree. Um, well, that's all I've got, Matt Green. Uh, fun burning question show. I thought this would be a nice little break from uh, the preview shows and all that uh, we've been doing uh, over the course of this college football season. We'll have um, some bull talk going into next week. Um, maybe on Saturday night we'll come up with some other cool stuff. Uh, cool. Yeah, still got some time to get to all the playoff talk and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Heisman is this week. Is it Jaden Daniels? No, no question. I wouldn't say no question. I think it should be oh, Jaden really? Daniels. But I wouldn't I think say it no should question. be a, it should be one of the more lopsided Heisman votes of all time, in my opinion. Also, have you checked the betting odds recently? No, um, I have yeah. a, a grinds my gears here for you. Okay, Jane Daniels is now a heavy favorite. Michael Penix is number two. Yeah. Okay. okay. Invite like five people every time. What are we doing? Like, just who cares how many guys have a realistic shot to win? Sometimes it's three they invite. Sometimes it's four. Like, just invite five every time. Like, just give these college dudes some some love for like, yeah, you finished fifth in the Heisman. So you were at the ceremony. Like that, that's a, that's a grinds my gears uh, for you. I, I was a little surprised Marvin Harrison jr. Was a finalist because I mean, his stats were good, um, but they weren't like the best receiver stats. Mm. Kind of Devonte Smith was just like blowing everyone else's stats away that year. Um, but I think everyone knows he's a baller. So I don't, I mean, no one's going to hate on him being a finalist, but I just, I thought that when I saw four, cause it what was it, was it only three last year? Was it four? I want to say it was four, four last, last year, year, right? I think it was four. Because it was the three head. guys, the three quarterbacks that were going to be in the playoff. It was Stetson, Stroud, and Duggan. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then Caleb Williams won it. Yeah, so it was four last year, too. So I uh, I don't know. It's it's weird to me how they, they kind of changed that number up. But yeah, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, uh, Michael Penix, great seasons. But Jaden Daniels feels like the it, it feels like one of the easier decisions we've had in a few years. I like it. Matt Green, that's all I've got, sir. And uh, more shows as the weeks go on. College football coverage nonstop here on the program. But uh, thank you as always, my friend. And uh, I'll talk to you very soon. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. You're, um, pleasantness you're smart so i think i'm going to hear big things about you nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.